<laughs> Just said. All right. So we are doing it a cappella, so we're only doing one song. Um, if you'll stand with us, we're going to do um, Amazing Grace, page 203 in the
God, I give you what I can today. These scattered ashes that are hid away. I'd lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name.
once and for all. Once and for all. Once and for Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. I mean, excuse me, not chapter 2. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse chapter 4 and chapter 5. Thank you, sweetheart. Now, how many of you ever learned when you care about something, you, you put a value on it? You know, it, it's because it, it, it's maybe that value to your heart and just, you know, you say this this is worth a lot to me. And it seems, you know, it's amazing how things change in value. How many of you remember when you were young, you didn't care about your health? It didn't really matter that much. You may remember that. And I, I, I got a great glimpse of that this week. I was sitting there in the doctor's office Thursday for a stress test. And, and that's as much fun as you can possibly have. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and the guy beside me, he's having one, and he says, you know, I remember when I, I, I thought this was for old people, and, and, and I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, well, I am a little younger than you, so yeah, I guess it is, and, and he said, he said, man, I tell you, I, I didn't used to care, he said, but I care now, I mean, it, it, it's more precious to me, I guess, as time's getting towards the end and i got to think about the value we put on things and how we do that and, and you know it's like you, you you ought to have a value for anything that has to do with the lord you know if you if you're a christian if you claim to be a child of god there should be a value of god in your heart you know the bible says we're to, we're to worship him with all of our heart all of our mind and all of our soul if you do that that ought to mean that he means something to you that it, he's worth something in your life and and I realize this is, is and you think about it, if something's worth a lot, you take care of it. You 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 do more with it. And but the thing is, how much do we value God? Is God just something that that we we say he, we means a lot? And when it comes down to it, he really does. You think about this, but if something's really important to you, you, you take care of it. You do a lot with it. Or you might say you don't. My doctor told me the other day he was giving me three months to get some things straightened out. And he says, I'll know how serious you are at the end of that three months. He says, if not, then I'm just going to do what barely I need to do because you don't care. And I'm like, well, okay, that's pretty, pretty, pretty cut forward. So I'm doing everything I can. Because how about being here amen and i don't know about y'all but there's things in my life i value and 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 i hope that god is one of those but sometimes i have to wonder because where do i put him in my lineup of things in my life and i want i want i got to realize when you something value show it to the world and the scripture we're fixing to read uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 4 and, and in Acts chapter 5, there's two men really I want us to look at. And, and what their actions do show you how much they value God. And uh, in, in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 33, it, it tells us this. It says, And with great power gave apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and grace, great grace was upon them all. Neither were there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribu distribution was made unto every man according to as he had need. And Hosea, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphiras, his wife sold a possession and gave kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet but peter said ananias why has satan filled thine heart to lie to the holy ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land remain was it not thine own after it was sold was it not thine own power why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart, and thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, and gave up the ghost, and great fear came among all them that heard these things. So here we have two men who did the same thing. They owned some land, and they sold the land, and they brought the money, and they gave it to the disciples. To the apostles, they brought it, put it at their feet. You know, here, I'm bringing this to help people. And when you first read it, you just look over. If you read through it too quickly, you'll really miss what's going on. Because here's a man named Barnabas, and it, it, it really introduces us to us. It tells them what he did. He was a Levite, so that means he was a the priest. And, and he owned some land, and he sold it, and he brought the money, and he brought it to the disciples. He laid it at their feet. And that's all it really tells us. But you got to look at something. He, he doesn't a big show of it he's just bringing the money and here's Ananias and his wife's fire and they're probably looking at all these people bringing this money and they're saying man everybody's just talking about them and, and said "Woo, look at them they said hey if we tell everybody we sell this land for this much and we, we give them that money they're gonna say man that's right he said but what we're gonna do is we're, we're gonna say we sold it for this but we're gonna tell them about the one we put in our pocket See, it was the condition of the heart. It had nothing to do that both of them sold land. Both of them gave it. It was what their heart was saying. Because see, Ananias was, he was more concerned about what people thought about him while Barnabas was just doing it to worship the Lord. And see, and here's what it amounts to, is your actions show how much God is worth to you. For, for Barnabas, God was everything. For Ananias, Ananias was everything. And see, that's the thing we have is our life shows how much God's worth. Our life and the things that we do. And, and see, it really doesn't make that big of a deal. You know, when, when you're, you're here and you come, you be dressed up and everything looks great. You say, hey, I'm here, I'm singing and, and I'm praising the Lord. But it's, it's not really in here. It's when you're out there. Well, I guess, too, why you're in here. Let me tell you something we do. Every Sunday, you see our camera, and I'll go, I'm going to fill you all in just in case you ever wonder what this camera is about. Well, right now, we're live on Facebook, and, and if you, you're not able to get, we got shut-ins who watch us. And, and if you're watching us this morning, good morning. Glad you're watching. Glad you're here. Wished you could be here with us. 
Wish you could be here in the, the auditorium with us because I know when you're shut in, you miss fellowship that you could have while you're here in church. So I, I wish y'all were here. And and but you only not only have it live, you can you can go back and watch any of our, our services at any time. We're on Facebook, we got a YouTube channel, and we got a, a podcast too. Now, here I, I, I'll tell you what we do. Every Sunday, Julie sits up here and she sends out an invite to everybody on her friend list on Facebook. And I had one guy at work come up to me. He says, man, I, I hate to do this, but I had to block your wife. And I said, why? He said, because every Sunday morning we're sitting in church and in the middle of, uh, of the preacher saying something, my phone goes off. And your wife's inviting me to come watch you preach. He said, brother, I love you to death, but I'm at church, so I had to block her. So if you're a friend of my wife, you're getting an invite. And she says, I do that so if somebody's not at church, a reminder, hey, either watch us or get up and go. Yeah. Just said, you can turn it down, because every Sunday you're going to get it one way or the other. So you got friends on Facebook? Go ahead and invite them. Say, hey, watch this. Join us. So we, we do that because I believe that getting the gospel presentation out to the world is important. And we got one lady, she, was, she told us before, she says, yeah. she, she says, I'm a member of your church. Never been. But I'm a member of your church because every Sunday, Julie sends me an invite, and it's the only way I get to go to church. And she can't find it unless she gets the invite. She, her, her vision's not that good, so she watches it. And I know she's probably watching this right now, or, or she'll be on there in just a minute. And, and so, you know, it's something we do. Why? Because I believe the gospel has a worth, and I believe my Lord Jesus has a worth. And for those who can't be here, I want them to be able to participate with us. Amen. But I want to share with you, how does your life show what God's worth this morning? How does it show? You know, if you live, your life shows one by the desires that you have. Whatever you desire is usually what's most important to you in your life. In Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, Paul said this. He said, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chamberlain or wantonness, not in strife and envy. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul says you need to walk a certain way. The desires of your heart tell you how you're going to walk. And I, I want you to look. You know, he starts off telling that we ought to walk honestly. And, and so I, I said, what does he mean, walk off? So we're just to be honest. But, but basically what that word means in, in, in the Greek that it comes from, it means that you need to walk decently. You know, you need to be a decent person. And in today's society, it's hard to do that, isn't it? Because today's society is almost anything but decent and moral. And Paul starts off telling us we need to walk that way. 
And then he says, the next thing he says, he says not to be in rioting and drunkenness. And I said, well, hey, I don't know anybody that's going to go out and start a riot. You know, we might. You never can tell. You, you might just be mad when you wake up. And, you know, you, you ran out of coffee. And so you say, hey, I'm going to the store. You get there, they're out. And you start getting madder and madder. And before long, you've just lost your cool. But that's not really what he's telling us here. He, he's telling us that, that basically that, that it, it meant at this time not go out carousing is a good word for it. See, in Paul's time, the Romans were known for something. They were known for their nighttime party life. They had a lot of things they were known for, but that was one of And so they would go out and they, they'd let loose at night and, and, and just just get drunk and, and these things. And so he, he said, well, well, preacher, we ain't got to worry about that. We're in church this morning. Well, I hope that's not what you were doing last night. And so, but, but I want you to think about something. What he was really kind of trying to get a toss to him, too. And in today's time, he said like this, what is something that you indulge in that you shouldn't be indulging in? What is something you, you know you shouldn't be doing? And, and so I got to think, I said, man, I know one thing that I could say, and everybody could probably agree with me. And I said, you know, if, if I had to put something here that, yeah, I should walk honestly, and I shouldn't walk in gluttony. Because, you know, you don't get a body like this without overindulging over a little period of time. Yeah, Julie's up here laughing. Yeah, a little period of time. Okay, you don't get like this after 50 years of indul over 50 years of indulging and lack of exercise. And, and so I said, you know, it, it, maybe that's the problem. Maybe I, I indulge more than I should in food that I should. And, hey, that's what my doctor tells me all the time now, so I've got to be careful. But what is that sin in your life that you're overindulging in that's causing you to be basically out of control because they were talking about you're going out carousing and you're and then you're and in drunkenness. So whatever that thing that you're doing has got control over you, and you don't have control over it. You're not walking decently. You're walking in whatever it is that's got hold of you. And, and so that's one of the things he's talking about here. And, and so you know he goes from that, and the next thing he says on there. Look at the next thing he says: not in strife. Oh, no, maybe back up. Maybe back up. I'm almost missed one. And he said, not in chamberlain or in wantonness. And, 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 and so I'll go ahead and tell you what chamberlain is. It was illicit affairs. And, and I guess that made sense. If you was going out and you was getting drunk and partying, you'd start the illicit affairs and, and you'd be lustful, the wantonness. That's what it means. And so I, I know I, I'm not saying this, but. But I want you to think about there are things in your life that you act like you can't live without. And, and I, I'll give you some, which you, I'm, I'm not going to really go on. When, it, when, if, it, when if that thing is that you, you couldn't live without is salt. You say, I got to have it. Doctor says, don't have it. Or or, or maybe, maybe well, well, you say, uh, well we're always going to have salt. I could say coffee, and then probably people start throwing things at me. But, but what about this? How many of you watch TV more than you read your Bible? What about that? How many of us, you know, the affair you have? I, I heard a guy talking about this the other day. He says, how many people go home, sit down in front of the recliner, and the world ceases to exist when they turn the television on? 
the house could be burning down all around them, but they're going to watch television. You see, you're, you know, that has become so important in your life that you can't get away from it, that, that you're having an affair with it because it's taking you away from God. You know, the, and now, people have hobbies that take them away from God. If it's something that pulls you away from the Lord, then it's something that you're having a chamberlain or an illicit affair with, and you lust to do it more than you lust to be with God, than you desire to be with God. So what is it in your life you got to be careful of? And then the next thing he says, he says, not in strife or envy. And I said, you know, that's one of the biggest things I think that we face today is strife and envy. Because Have you ever met those people who were never happy? Anybody know anybody like that? And their sole desire in life is to drag you down to the depths that they're in. And I see these people like this all around me all the time. And I'm thinking, man, and here's what gets me. They're never happy. They're just, they're always negative in everything they say. And then every once in a while you meet one and they'll say, hey, you want to go church with me? And you really got to ask yourself, do I really? If you're like this, why would I want to go worship with you? Because y'all want if you're that negative all the time. And, and you think, you know, God's very plain and, and outspoken in the Bible about people who cause problems. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Many of you might know these verses. It says this, there are six things the Lord does hate. Even seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that despises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running into mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discords among the brethren. God can't stand people who cause problems. But there's, there's live to do it. But I think what's really funny about this whole list that Paul gives us before he goes to something good is that last word, ending. I had to, I said, well, so, okay, I can understand we're not to envy things, but it, it amazes me when you look that word up, the, the, the Hebrew or the Greek word that's used there, it means also jealous or envious. So I said, okay, that, I, I, I can get that a little bit. And I, I understand, you know, there, there's people who, 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 who want to spend their time trying to get what everybody else has got. And we live in a society today. We're chasing after stuff is more important than chasing after God. You know, James tells us this, and listen to this. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says this. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. And, and I, I said, you know, there are people who, whose whole thing and purpose in life is to keep up and surpass their neighbors in the stuff that they have. And they will do anything and everything to get it. They will, they will, they will work, 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 or do whatever they got to do, ignoring the family, ignoring the Lord, just to get the stuff they can say, look what I've got. And then what happens when you get stuff that you chase after the most? I mean, you think about it. how many of you have ever said, if I could just have this, 
everything would be great. And then when you get that, you realize this is really a piece of junk. You know, you say, I want to, oh, if I had this car, everything would be perfect. Then you get the car. I, I love it when I, uh, you see a teenager who gets their first car and they are so excited. Oh, I got freedom. I got this. Then they go to the gas station. And then the tires need to be replaced. And then this happens. Well, that piece of junk out there. See, that's what happens when stuff and you become envying, you're envious of what everybody else, well, everybody else has got one of these. I've got to get it. What about people who are envious uh, uh, of somebody else's relationship with God? And I got to thinking this week, and and a man preaching on Cain and Abel, and really got me thinking about him. And, and in Genesis chapter four, verses one through eight, tells us the story of Cain and Abel. And you know, Cain was the firstborn, or pointing. Oh, I'm sure, because if you go back to when God promised Adam and Eve that He was set things right basically there was going to be a, a, a savior born that was going to crush the head of the serpent here comes Cain so they, they named him Cain spear point he's going to point the way he's going to set things right then they have they have Abel and, and these two young men grow up Cain becomes the, uh, the, the one uh, a herder and he, he works with animals and they start making sacrifices. Cain brings his sacrifice to the Lord and Abel brings the firstlings. Rejects Cain's. And it's not because people say, oh, he brought the lamb, he brought this. No, it was because Abel brought the best. Cain brought what was left. And he gets mad. God says, why are you mad? Cain, if you're not careful, sin's going to be knocking at your door. Uh, if you ever read the story, the next verse is really amazing. It says that the two boys talked. They talked. We don't know what about. But in that, that conversation, Cain's heart turns to murder. And he kills his brother. Why? Because his brother's relationship with God was different. Have you ever looked at somebody and says, I wish I was as close as they are? You know, the same God that's in you is in them. Don't be envious of their relationship. Fix yours. See, Cain could have fixed his, but he forgot to. If his desires and things were wrong, and, and he, 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 he desired for him to be important, What about Peter and John? We talked about this briefly at Wednesday night. And 
you know, here Peter is, he, he rejected God. And in John chapter 21, the last ver chapter, God, come, Jesus comes and him and Peter's talking and he asks him, do you love me? He asks three times, everything's good. And then he looks at, at John. John, that beloved, John who, 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 who sat close to Jesus that last night, who let, rested his head on, on, on Jesus' side, and, and, and he says, what about him? He was more worried about what about him than what about me? What do I need to do that my relationship can be closer? God, you just told me that I'm going to suffer. You just told me that one day I'm Jesus. That one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be crucified. But what about John? Do you love him more than you love me? How many of you ever look and say, "Well, why did God are you blessing them and not blessing me?" And I, I like what what Jesus said. He says, "What's it to you what I do to John? If he lives forever, that's that's for me and him. That's not you and me." See, our desire ought to be, Lord, how can I be closer to you? Don't worry about everybody else. What do you need to fix to get closer? What, what in your life shows you how much you love the Lord? Your desires, what, what do you need to work on? You know, do you desire the kind of closeness that Abel had? Do you desire the kind of closeness that John had? What are you doing to fix it? The next step is is that I had intentions to be here on time this morning for Sunday school, and I was late. I had good intentions, but it wasn't quite quite, quite right. How many of us have intentions? Say, well, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be more than I was before. You know, like, let, let, listen to this. Paul said in Philippians chapter three. Verses 12 through 14, he said this. He says, not as though I've already attained, either we're already perfect. But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, and reaching forth in those things which are before he said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You think about this. This was the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church, and he says, hey, church, I'm not where I need to be. I'm still growing. I'm still pressing forward. I'm still reaching for those things that God is teaching me. You know, there, you don't get to a point you say, Lord, I've gotten here. I'm as old as I can be, and now I'm just going to stop. No, you keep pressing until you take that last breath. Lord, I, I want to know more about you. I want to be closer to you. And, and you think about it. You, know, you ever wonder why we slow down? Maybe God has to slow down as we get older, so we'll stop and read his word more. Because we sure didn't do it when we were young, did we? And if you're young, you're watching, you're with us today, do as much as you can because when you get older, you'll need it. How many of y'all remember when your eyesight started failing? Anybody? I got lucky. My doctor gave me a contact for up close and a contact for a far away. So I'm like, yes. But don't you wish you was in it more when you were younger? If you were 
closer to God when you were in your teens? Where would you be today? We all intend to grow. We want to grow. Are you growing? Paul said he kept growing. He kept pressing towards the mark. His intentions were to never stop. What about do you intend to tell others about Jesus? Paul gets arrested and, and he, he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And he says, Be thou therefore, be thou not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy, don't, don't look at everybody else. Keep telling them about Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. I want to tell somebody, God opened the door, but you didn't go through it. He paved the way, but you didn't do it. The show. There's many things we intend to do. You know, but what about the things we didn't do? Paul told the, or the writer of Hebrews told the people in Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 5, he said, There was a time you ought to be teachers, but you're not. He said, you ought to be the best ones. He said, but you still need milk instead of meat. So what about you? What are your intentions today? Next thing when you're showing your life is, is, is how's your faith? You know, I thought without faith, you can't show anything, can you? I mean, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 tells us this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Listen to verse 2, though. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So you see, your faith is the key thing in your life when you're wanting to show how much God's worth to you, how much he means to you, because you show it by that good report that you get because of the faith you have that that hope that you have in you i mean you know you, uh, you don't be a christian and be an undercover sunday morning christian do you know what those are goats more likely they're a goat and there'll be a day they'll be separated because if all the faith you got is on Sunday mornings, then really, I'm going to tell you right now, you probably don't have faith at all. What you got is show. Because faith shows, it gave people, looked at those and says, hey, I, let me, I, I know who they are. I know they're saved. You ever met somebody you just knew? Because their actions, the way they were, I, I've got a friend of mine, he's a preacher, but I, I tell you, every time I see him, I've never seen the man not smile. I think he sleeps smiling. He's, he, he's, he's a joy to be around. 
he's just that kind of a guy. He's always smiling. And Julie always referred to him for a long time as the smiley guy. She never could remember his name. He was the smiley guy. And, and you know, you just knew there was something about him because the way he acted, faith shows in everything you do. Think about this. Not only to us, but to God. 11 tells us the story of Enoch. His faith was so strong, one day he goes out for a walk, and God says, hey, Enoch, you want to come home with me instead? And Enoch walks into heaven. Let me tell you, when God sees your faith is so strong, he says, come on up here with me. You ain't got to taste death. You ain't got to go through all that. Boy, that's a strong testimony. That's some strong faith. Amen. Boy, I wish my faith was like that. God probably looks at me and just shakes his head, goes, whoo, thank God. I tell you, boy, you got a lot to do. <laughs> and I wish my faith was stronger. I wish my faith showed who I was. And let me tell you how you know if your life is right. It's by eternity. It's eternity. How are concerned are you with eternity? Because let me tell you, you, you know, if all you look at for is what's going on around you, there's coming a day you're going to be introduced to eternity. It's coming quicker than we think. It, 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 is, it, it, it is so fast and, and approaching us. It ought to be what we, we do. L li listen to this. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let your hearts not be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, if eternity really meant something, these words that Jesus said that I'm going to prepare a place for you would spur us on to be everything we could be for God. It would make us want to be like Barnabas and say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever I can, give whatever I can. You just tell me and I'll do it. You know, instead of being like a nice and say, well, Lord, I, I, I'm going to give, but I'm going to make myself look good in the process. And what's bad is there's more people more concerned with what they look like to the world than what they look like to God that it makes you wonder, what will you do when you stand before? You know, if, if, if you're really sure of, of, uh, of eternity, you really know that, hey, I know where I'm going, and, and God, I'm looking forward to it. You'd work more to it. You'd be like Paul told the church at Philippi, verse 1, Chapter 1, verse 21, where he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That, that hey, while I'm here, I'm going to be everything Jesus wants me to. But when I check out, when I take my last breath, woo, it's going to be good. Because I've done everything I could. When he, as he says, I finished my course. I run the race. How many of us could say that? How many of us are, are more like, well, I'm standing on the sidelines cheering somebody else on because I ain't got it. I want to close with this, and I'm going to finish up with this. Revelation chapter 21, verses 6 through 8. And it says this, that he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Did you hear that? God says, hey, I offer everybody a chance of salvation. It doesn't matter about anything in your past. It doesn't matter about anything. I offer it to you freely, but you have to accept it. And when you accept that fountain, when you accept it, you've been a, you become an overcomer. I've overcome sin. I've overcome my past. Hey, I ain't perfect, but my Jesus is. Amen. And because of the grace that he gives me, that amazing grace we sung about, I know where I'm going when I die. What about you? Because listen to, listen to the rest of the verses here. Verse 8 says, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which, and brimstone, which is the second death. So let me tell you something. If you listen to that, he starts off with the fearful and the unbelieving. That fearful is somebody who's too timid to answer the Lord. You ever met those? Well, when I get, I mean, if you've ever asked somebody, they know Jesus. Well, when I get older, they're too fearful to, to turn loose right then. And the unbelieving, they're grouped together. They've heard and ones who just ain't going to believe. But I like the way he closes it. And all liars. See, God knows the heart of everybody. And he knows those that just play church. He knows those who say, well, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, but never even act like it. God knows. So the choice is yours. If God means something to you, then you will live the life that's pleasing to him, for him, because it's worth it. And he means everything. He's worth more than anything else you have in your entire life. I love my sweetie pie with all my heart, but I love Jesus more than I love her. God blessed me with kids. I love them with all my heart, but I love Jesus more than I love her. Those three little stinking grandkids I got, I love them with all my heart. But compared to Jesus, they're nothing. Jesus is who I love. I wish I showed him more of that. I've got a lot to work on. What about you? What about you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, Lord, our life shows how much you mean to us. Your worth is shown in our daily actions. So, Father, I pray right now, if there's somebody here, there's somebody who's watching or listening to us, Father, that they'll realize that maybe they're not doing everything they could. And, Father, what they need to do is they need to say, Lord, forgive me. And help me to become more of who you want me to be. Father, there's some here that they might be here that could be watching. 
something. Maybe they, 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 they always gone. Maybe mama said, you need to get saved. They walked the aisle to please her. Father, I pray today will be the day that you open their eyes. That Father, if their answer to, to are, you, are you going to heaven? They say, well, I hope so. If I'm good enough. No, no, that's not an answer. That there's only two answers, yes or no. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now you touch hearts, you open eyes. Father, as we come to the end of an age, and we know that you're coming back soon. Lord, I pray that we can reach more people. So, Lord, have your way in this invitation. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. and, and We're going to sing page 109. And we sing, you just lift the Holy Spirit, and you be obedient to him. Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I breathe. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. Talking about the rapture and got a little bit more to go on it. Short couple verses, but we got a little ways to go. And next Sunday, if you can, come join us for Bible school. We're hopefully I'll be here at nine o'clock with the rest of them. Sunday We're school. Sunday school, Bible school's not yet. Sunday <laughs> school. Boy, I just need to go back to bed, wake back up. <laughs> Sunday school here at nine o'clock. Uh Sunday morning here at sanctuary. We'll start coming in and we'll stop. We're just kind of just making it up as we go. But we had a good discussion, good time this morning. So I urge you to come join us on that. We get things kicked back off. And like I said, be praying about joining the choir. You say, well, I can't sing. Don't matter. Neither can I. She lets me. Amen. So if she'll let me, she'll let anybody up there. So so y'all just come and, and join. Bible school's coming up soon. So we'll let you know more about that very soon. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and I hope and pray y'all have a blessed and wonderful week. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray and thank you for all that you've done. Father, I want to look at the sake of our church. Lord, this morning there are those that are here, Father, that need a, a physical touch. Lord, they're hurting, going through things. Father, I pray you touch them. There are those here, dear Heavenly Father, that give them strength to fight that battle. I pray. Again, I thank you for today. Father, I pray that we all realize our life shows how much we care and love about you. So, Lord, help us to live that life that's pleasing, to, to realize to, to live 
is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you again for all that you do. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen.